welcome to this week's edition of the Michigan Bros Grow Show. This is episode 30. This week's guest is Jack Greenstock. I'm Skillbo, co-host sequence. How's it going, fellas? What's up, Jack? Not too much. Doing well. How you guys doing? Doing very good. We've been really trying to get Jack on here for a while. Um, Jack is super smart on the cannabis stuff. You can, of course, catch him at Jack Greenstock, or you can catch him on his show, Greenstock Talks or Shane's show, Growing With My Fellow Growers. Jack's a busy, busy dude. Um, you can also catch him and his lady smoking with Tommy Chong sometimes. <laughs> They're uh, pretty cool people. I'm really excited to share cannabis knowledge and learn from Jack Greenstock today. What's up, dude? Well, thank you guys for having me, and uh, that was a great introduction. I'm actually originally from Ohio, which is going to make a lot of Michigan fans uh, not very happy, but I'm not a big, huge college sports person, even though like everyone in my family is obsessed with that stuff. So I won't hold it against you for being from the, what they would call the state up north. I, I love Michigan. Uh, most of my life, I had a lot of good cannabis coming from Michigan. And I was sort of wondered about how Michigan had such good cannabis. And you had uh, medical legality long before Ohio ever did. I moved out of Ohio before it was ever legal at all. And it was 100% um, illicit market while I spent my time there. So there's a lot of imports. People would drive up to Michigan, buy medical, transport it back to Ohio legally. And then they'd say, hey, well, this is from California. Because <laughs> you know, uh, it's so- They say the same thing here. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it's more appealing, I guess. It's like a longer standing, uh, recognized market for being known for cannabis. But yep, that being said, I recognize Michigan has got a lot going on. I sent you guys some links today, uh, just about like floriculture in general outside of of cannabis space and how Michigan's the number three state, which would surprise a lot of people behind California and Florida, which have much, much better climates, but you would expect another Southern state to be number three, but Michigan's crushing it. And I think that's a big part of the reason the cannabis scene is so successful. Yeah, I do think it's interesting is um, we have a lot of agriculture knowledge here, not necessarily um, like summer crops. We do a lot of corn and wheat and stuff in lower Michigan, but um, we do cherries and tulips and all kinds of other weird crops that you can't grow other places in the United States. Well, the Michigan so I, State as well has always been known for their horticulture. Yeah, and Michigan State, of course. But um, you know how he said really, that so begrudgingly to have to recognize. No, I didn't. Like, it, it's it's important to acknowledge that the what we've gained from growing stuff like tulips and things transition over just as well as growing, you know, corn in Iowa or whatever. So um, when the cannabis industry did happen here, there's a lot of people able to um, have knowledge, prior knowledge, farming knowledge, good practices, stuff like that. So it's really cool to see um, how quickly it's bloomed here. Bloom is a good word. It really is. And I'm happy for both of you and, and to see the show even growing so rapidly. I think a lot of listeners are like, why the hell is this? Uh, or Ohio to California transplant on a Michigan show. And I think it's probably because I'm like the first Michigan bros show super fan, or at least I'll, cl I'll claim that title myself because I know I've listened to every single episode uh, some multiple times and I try to catch all the live shows if I can, but if not, I listen to them afterwards. And I really uh, enjoy seeing your guys' concept and shining the spotlight on people within your state because like I said earlier, I think a lot of people just don't realize how much fire is in Michigan. Like there are a lot of people killing it from the cultivation all the way through the uh, concentrates, both solventless and solvent. Um, some of the best hash makers I've seen are in Michigan. And I've been in California for the last decade and I've seen some of the 
what some people would say is the best stuff on the planet. And seeing Michigan uh, doing very, very similar uh, things. I mean, you mentioned in our DMs, just even like talking about jars, a lot of our trends will transfer over to Michigan within like three to six months. Definitely. So you like to see some of the stuff that I was posting from our dispensaries because inevitably it's going to show up soon. And sometimes I think it's even the opposite way around. I think whether you know it or not, sometimes Michigan, like the My Herbs Now, I think uh, that's a Michigan company. And I think that's going to transition to a lot of places in the market where people are having difficulties drying and failing microbials or overly drying or getting mold. So if there's alternatives like that, and they're coming out of Michigan again, it's like, I'm happy to see that you guys can shine the spotlight on companies like that. Well, yeah. and you and I basically, it, this is being recorded in December of 2019. And I basically started doing this in January. So this is a great way for me to do my year end because I was trying to look up on my phone while we were talking, but I'm trying to listen as well. So I'm not very good at multitasking when I'm stoned. But Jack and I have recorded a few episodes uh, specifically with Shane for the Cheap Home Grow. And that's why I've really pushed to have Jack as a guest because I enjoyed those conversations so much. And it's just, it's always an organic mellow. He's on our wavelength and everything else. He's a great guy, man. And it's just, so I'm really, really happy to be closing out my year the same way I started it. So it's really nice, man. Thank you. I appreciate that, man. And it's cool because uh, I laugh looking back now because literally all of our shows have spawned out of uh, one or two cheap home grow ups. So it's just like you and I, it was like, just me and Shane hanging out bullshit. And it was like a three hour episode. I think the first episode with us. Yeah, we broke it up, remember? Yeah, and it like two parts. And then that spawned the Growing With My Fellow Growers panel. And I think uh, from that, maybe even before that was Michigan Bros Grow Show. And I started Greenstock Talks once the panel got so large, I'd see certain topics that I wanted to expound on more. And uh, I really wanted, to be honest, to have a better way to answer new growers because I was helping so many new growers answering a lot of the same questions over and over. So I was like, hey, I can put this in audio in a much better answer and just send someone the link to this episode and be like, hey, should I grow from seeds or from, from clones? I could just send them a link instead of typing it out or copying, pasting something that like Instagram, for example, you only have so much text per DM. And um, if I'm going to type it out, I have arthritis. It's just going to be a hassle to like answer it specifically. But if I give them a podcast, it can be so thorough and answer the question in so many different ways some things that they didn't even think about but it might directly touch on what they talked about and go deeper and deeper into detail than i might even remember to in the moment so it's great to have a podcast of your own because you can take it whatever direction you want like i haven't had any guests yet i really plan to but i just uh, haven't lined it up yet i'm busy and i like to join other people's shows because there's less editing post because <laughs> that stuff does take time people don't realize them so appreciate these guys for being so consistent it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort to make a podcast happen. And uh, people think that it's uh, just clicking the record and post, but you can do that. And I think it'll make your quality suffer a little bit. I think the people that are doing it well, take the time to make sure that their quality is uh, staying up. If you listen to those early things that we did together, you can see how far both you and I have come as far as how much more relaxed and better we are at a delivery. And it's just, I don't know, you get used to it, man. A lot less uh, ums and uhs things like that and there's nothing wrong with that i mean people have their cadences and i listen to each one of our people on the panel and we all have our things that we say and i, I laugh i want to make like a cheap home grow shirt or a michigan bros grow show soundboard <laughs> yeah, like a little uh just like a bunch of quotes and stuff you know red center Not farm has actually done that. Like that 
he's recorded a couple of things that I've said because he's like, I'm making a soundboard of that shit, Skilbo. That's funny as fuck. Yeah, that's great. I, I can probably imagine a couple of them, but I'll uh, wait to see what he's got planned for us. That sounds good. I love the little uh, intros to like the Red Setter weekly updates where he's like drumming and shit in the beginning. Oh, that's totally him. Yeah, he's jamming out, and then he's like, "All right, guys, like this is my fucking room," and running through and checking out all his plants. I love it. Yeah, he's one of my favorite people. So one of the things I think we were going to talk about today was cannabis terpenes. That's one of the things Skilbo and I initially connected on in the Cheap Home Grow podcast. I'm a medical patient. Personally, I suffer pretty bad insomnia. I had uh, at least five concussions documented playing football. I've broken every single finger in both hands multiple times. So suffer from pretty bad arthritis, post-traumatic arthritis. And I have a few other ailments that I won't go d- too deeply into, but cannabis helps me from a medical perspective. And when I moved out to California, thankfully had the access to uh, dispensaries where a lot of them provided lab testing, which at first was like, which is the highest THC. And I quickly learned like, okay, the 30% shit almost is never going to be as good for me as the 22% shit. So like, what, what's going on with that? Like I would, the first week, month, whatever, I bought the highest THC possible every single time. And I was almost never as satisfied with that as I was with the lower THC. And then lo and behold, years later, they started having terpene tests alongside some of the cannabis. So it would say, okay, this one's 22% THC, but it's also got alpha pinene and, uh, you know, it's got some caryophylline in it. So I started asking the bud tenders like, Hey, what is this? And unfortunately a lot of them didn't really know. They're like, Oh, uh, terpenes, that's just uh, what makes it smell certainly, you know, has flavor. And they were right about that, but they wouldn't know any of the medical effects associated with them. So my strategy was either buy a gram or an eighth, of whatever the best indica sativa and hybrid was i did this for probably a year to two years and just took vigorous notes on which ones i liked uh, what i liked about them how they smelled and how they made me feel personally and in doing that process and i know skillbo has done similar things himself i was able to find what i really liked and then look back and say oh they all sort of had this same pine smell or you know some of them have a cherry smell and certain things that really stood out to me. I like gassy smells. <laughs> I, I've actually liked gassy smells ever since I was like a child. Like, I, I guess I was destined to be a stoner because the smell of skunk and the smell of gasoline were both always really appealing to me and other people were super put off by it. And there was like- It seemed to me that's really it. weird, huh? I th- yeah, it's, it's a strange thing. So maybe we were predestined to uh, be cannabis users. And I think there's something to that with the whole, we have an endocannabinoid system for a reason. And like, I've always liked black pepper and that has caryophylline. Yeah, a lot of the have you uh, that I like. You ever driven down the road past where a skunk, and then everybody's like, and you turn your head, and you're like, where was that? <laughs> Maybe there's a plant over there. I'm always hoping it was weed, but I know it's skunk. exactly. I've got some in my neighborhood, which is like the best cover ever, because like if my carbon filter blows, like these skunks are just like it's a mom and like six little ones, so she's spraying all the fucking time because she's ultra defensive, just defensive as hell. And uh, so I'm never worried about people smelling my tiny little tent that's carbon filtered up. Perfect. And I should mention it's all 100% legal. I have a medical license to grow 12. My fiance has a medical license to grow 12. But we are under the legal limit of six in California just because personally I have space restrictions and that's how I'm choosing to cultivate right now. Well, and it's like here in Michigan, even if you can legally grow, you don't necessarily want to grow attention to the fact that you have plants in your house. So uh, carbon filters are a good idea. 100%. 100%. Well, it's a better it's neighbor a policy too. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't want to bother any of the neighbors. One of my neighbors is super uh, shut in, but then like a few doors down from me, I see like a guy has fox farm, ocean forest soil sitting outside of his house and he has no plants growing outside of his house. So I'm like, hmm, I think I know what's going on over there. I haven't linked up with him yet, surprisingly, but uh, I definitely know what he's doing. I love to play a game when I'm driving around because uh, as rec happened, a bunch of people put outdoor enclosures in their properties this year to grow plants because they had to be enclosed. Um, you couldn't see them from the road. Um, but you can just drive around and be like, bet there's plants here and here and here and here. Because anybody that's making a, a fence out of pallets behind their $200,000 house or whatever. <laughs> kind of Kyle Cushman's story. If you uh, drive down the street and every single house has snow on the roof and you get to your house. And yours right. the house is the only one that doesn't have any snow on the roof. It's time to move. So his thing was he was Buy like, better oh, insulation. He moved every like six months because he would get a harvest or two in and then like bounce because he was always worried he was going to get caught. And I guess it worked for him because I don't think he's got a record, but he's uh, definitely grown and documented a lot of yeah, definitely. places that weren't, weren't legal. Also rolling the dice every time too, though. Like let's say that you're in one spot and you don't get flushed out of it, but you're like, well, it's time to go. You're also rolling the dice that the new spot that you're going to land in is going to be at least as secure or whatever you know what i mean so it's like i don't know i think it was a god i, I can't even at the, his pk farmer on instagram but that page doesn't exist anymore zen gardens was the guy who came on and he said paranoia will destroy you and uh it was when he was talking about how he like lined his cabinet with essential oils and it made one of his plants start tasting like blueberries and uh I do agree, like being too paranoid will sort of destroy your life. It'll inhibit you from living a happy, normal lifestyle. I think if he had kids or, you know, significant others or whatever, that's going to put a lot of stress on that. And growing alone will put a lot of stress on that. I mean, a lot of people are reclusive. We don't have as many friends as we would otherwise because you don't want a bunch of people coming over your house and finding out that you have a bunch of plants that are worth a bunch of money because they might tell somebody, not might, they will. <laughs> They're going to tell 10 people. Yeah, tell definitely. 10 people. And then all of those people that, you know, the economies are in tough times right now and people all just assume if, if you grow cannabis, you're rich. And to be honest, that's not the case for most of us because we're all reinvesting. We're upgrading our setups. We're paying off our light bills. We're paying off our nutrients. We're paying off water bill. All this stuff costs money, new genetics and things like that. We all, uh, unless you're economically savvy are spending probably more money than we're saving. And so with that, it's like other people out there are going to be looking for a reason to come snatch your shit. <laughs> so if you're, talking about oh i got the best shit it's about to be harvested next week i got the best shit like look at all my stuff a few people might take pictures show their friends and then they're like hey they're harvesting next week well we're gonna go over you know two nights before they're harvesting and break in and kyle yep. uh talked about some of the unfortunate circumstances like i've mentioned in the past in the dms like my mentor was killed in his grow house unfortunately i like wasn't there thank goodness but like the uh security that he had ended up taking out the guy who took him out but it's like, do you really want to be in a circumstance where there's a few dead bodies around just for grown cannabis? Like the guy that I was underneath was a super duper hippie guy, but he knew he needed some security because there was gang activity and the gang activity is what ended up getting him. And so, I mean, that's a scary state of affairs when there's illegal markets. Yeah. And, and then in, it's, in the legal market, it's like that still exists. So like a guy like me or a guy like you or whoever that's posting pictures on Instagram every day, all the way up until harvest, you know, I'm going to harvest tomorrow. 
You know, everyone that you tell where your room is, they know when your harvest schedule is, they could pop in at any time. So definitely be mindful of those things. Um, don't take still pictures am, I've of your a tiny ass grow in a state where people grow way more than me. I'm still mindful of it. And like, I, I don't even post my stuff live anymore. It's I important like to remember it, not to take pictures of your grow from outside. Oh, so yeah. people can recognize Never. your house. People can recognize your garage or your barn. That's the issue any of that stuff or even like when you're on your story driving around some people do that they're like oh i'm driving to my grow facility and kyle mentioned that too it's like on their ig live it's like people can put two and two together especially in smaller states like michigan if you're driving down this highway and uh, you're going to a facility and it's a giant ass facility there's only so many of those or you know if you're renting out space at a warehouse or this or that like people are a lot smarter than you think watch the documentary don't fuck with cats or don't mess with cats on netflix if you haven't like this dude posts a graphic video basically like killing two cats and then he goes on to be a serial killer and threw a few people on the internet or a lot of people on the internet got pissed off because you know people love their animals and don't want people to get murdered so this dude got tracked down and it was uh you know incredible the the lengths people can go to to find you <laughs> so don't underestimate people's ability to go through what level of security you think that you might have like a lock on your front door isn't going to do it if like sequence said people can just rip down your window air conditioner and jump into your back yeah you know it's it's a unfortunate side thing about this but i think we'll move on to a more happy subject <laughs> i yeah, want to go like, back to we were talking about like, terpenes and we were talking about skunks and so here's a I, it's not a theory this is total fucking skillbo science i'm not even going to call it bro science i have a belief that i can smell jars and i know what's going to work for me and people either get that or they don't. But I wonder if you're saying that maybe it was predestined, you know, like a genetic thing with the cannabinoid system and stuff like that. Maybe you're drawn to certain smells that could be medical for you. What do you guys think about that? I firmly believe that. I think that comes all the way from the hunter-gatherer societies. Like Bingo. when we first That's initially. What I'm thinking too, man. And I know well, it makes you sound stupid, but it's like, no. I don't I think, think it makes you sound stupid at all because terpenes are emitting smells. And terpenes and, and esters. Yeah, that's how that's going to all working on you. Yeah, and there's another thing called varins people don't mention, and, and also flavonoids. And flavonoids impact the effects. And they found that canaflavin A is 40 times more effective than aspirin. And people don't talk about uh, anthocyanin as a flavonoid, the thing that makes cannabis pigment purple. So if one of the anthocyanin, like one of the, the canaflavins has the ability to be 40 times more effective than aspirin for pain relief, who knows what some of these other things that they're not studying yet are doing for us. Like somebody like me, I've always claimed from cut Girl Scout cookie when it's grown with a really dark black leaf, it has a uh, extremely high benefits for my arthritis. It almost completely nullifies the pain. And I've tried hundreds of cultivars and none of them have even close to uh, that similar effect. So I looked into it and there's terpenes called humulene. And uh, uh, the other one is, uh, Caryophylline, which are both found in the Girl Scout cookies. Caryophylline is sort of what gives it a little bit of that spicy note at the back end. A lot of people will say that like Girl Scout has like a little bit of a spice to it, and that's the caryophylline. And a lot of uh, arthritis rubs that you'll smell have like a black peppery smell to it. And that's just because like caryophylline has just been found across the board to be so effective for anti-inflammatory. So that's what I put that in my can rollers. Does it on the inside? Yeah, yeah I, I love your tincture. Oil. That whole recipe that you've got that you uh, sent my buddy thank you again for that by the way absolutely yeah 
that's that's like real real true medicine man i i love tinctures i love topicals i think that, that for someone like me who is very active i do like hiking and biking and swimming i coach kids with special needs on how to get more activity in their life so i'm active seven days a week and super physical work and um, having something like tinctures and topicals and even uh, smokables ingestible all that stuff can affect you on the inside and out to make your life quality of life so much better well the, the tincture and stuff that he's got and the roll-on that he has is nice because you don't always want to medicate in a way that's going to give you a buzz you know so like sometimes i've got a sore neck and i'm at work so i can just roll on that roller and be good to go for a while get me through my day you know so that's, uh very good stuff that's the one reason i like cbd it's like i, I personally love the uh, psychoactive effects of uh the cannabis so I like THC a lot. So when I smoke CBD, it like gets rid of my buzz. Like uh, Skilbo mentioned earlier, he took like a dab of the CBD distillate and it got rid of his paranoia. It sort of like brings me down and it gives me less of an ability to like gauge when I need to remedicate. So like I can tell when my medication's wearing off because like I can psychologically feel that it's not working anymore. And they're like, okay, time to smoke another bowl or vaporize or whatever. Um, but with CBD, I don't necessarily experience that. But like you said, for that example, uh, if I have pain in my neck, then I'll use like a sublingual t CBD tincture and then I'll take a topical and then rub it on my neck, like directly spot treat and also treat from inside. And I found that to be extremely effective. And I've actually, uh, I worked for a delivery service for about a year and a half. We had 150 patients and just a lot of volume. And most of them were like real, real patients, like cancer, <laughs> dying of uh, certain things and it was often just to treat the pain and alleviate some symptoms but a lot of them were able to beat their cancer with it that looks pretty nice is that the cbd distillate yeah, that's isolate so i was just showing that on the camera let's go while you're muted but show it now while people you're talking so that people can see oh it. yeah so uh this is the uh cbd isolate you can't really see it very well it's a Bleach white powder, basically imagine the whitest white powder you've ever seen, like baby powder in a little jar. It almost looks like it could be like cocaine, but yeah, it's like colorless, flavorless. And, um, it's a very interesting thing, but the thing that I really liked about topicals is like when I was working at the delivery service, like uh, so I keep saying like, <laughs> but the guy, one of the older gentlemen that I worked with had a really bad knee and he had a cane and he was really not convinced that this was going to work so we gave him a free sample jar of uh, cbd rubus master growers dragon ointment and he put it on we were talking just while uh, i was taking out the rest of the stuff in his bag <clears throat> and within five or ten minutes he literally started like bending his knee bending his knee and he stood up and he started walking around and the guy i looked like a spring chicken like i almost felt like i was being punked <laughs> like it was such a dramatic effect on him I felt like I was like being set up by like an advertisement of like the CBD company. Like this guy had so much pain relief from it that he was able to go from like needing a cane to walk at all to like he got up and he was walking around his house, got in his car and like got up and, and drove away and he just couldn't have felt any better. So I was really compelled by the medical benefits of that because prior I was just a, you, pr predominantly I use cannabis as flour to vaporize or to smoke. So for me, I realized that has medical benefit, but I didn't personally have as much of a need for uh, pain like certain older people would. When I saw him benefit like that, I realized, oh, when I do have the need for it, it's extremely beneficial. 
Yeah. Um, if I work in a way that I've got to stand for multiple hours or I go to a show and I got to stand for a lot of hours, um, my knees will obviously get unbearable pain after a while and, uh, different things will make that pain go away. Some strains will, and some strains won't. And that's why we've talked Jack about, um, stuff like pining in our private groups, um, looking for different medical purposes, just specifically for us. You know, and I think that that's a really interesting thing that we can do in this plant. Um, and like Skilbo said, going into the dispensary, um, selecting strains that smell like other stuff that you liked before, or um, writing down notes, like you said, Jack, trying different things and writing down what your experiences were with all of those different things. Um, that's stuff that people don't do, so you forget. You'll forget the one that worked for you six months ago. It's important to write that down. Now, Jack and I know, man, we've talked about this before on a previous show, and it's like we both have poured over Leafly and all the other breadcrumbs out there for strains and, and looking at these terpenes and everything else. And it's like, because at the end of the day, we are stoners, but we also want some pain relief. We don't want to take prescription medication. We want to try to treat this some other way that is going to be easier on us, man. And so the information is out there and hopefully somebody listening out there right now is going to hear this podcast and be like, yep. And I'm getting more information right now. Thank you, Jack Greenstock and Michigan Rose Grow Show. So Jack, I'm sure you oh, have yeah. a list of some cool terpenes over there. Um, should we talk about some different terpenes, like some common ones that affect some common things like say pain relief, inflammation, PTSD, um, stuff like that. Well, his people might look for when he was talking about the mercine, mercine is the great one for uh, painkilling properties and inflammation. You can start right there. You know, caryophylline is the other one. That's the black pepper one. And that again is good for inflammation and pain. Problem is, is that those kind of cultivars are definitely lacking in representation in, you know, 2019. You don't see them like you did even eight, nine, 10 years ago. You know, the well, black dominance and shit. is more common. Mercine is definitely more common, but the caryophylline or beta caryophylline is that's definitely the less. One. That's yeah. the pepper. And um, mercine is extremely potent for anyone who doesn't know. A concentration as low as 0.5% in a strain can give it the indica or sedative effects. So a lot, a lot of times when you see something that's labeled indica, it's purely based on the fact that mercine is so potent and it, it often offers that couch lock effect. And the one that it's uh, often compared with for sedation is linalool. Linalool is found in lavender. It's uh, got that sort of floral, fragrant, perfumey smell. And that's the actually insomnia. one of the, Yeah, it's really good for helping insomnia. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the terpenes that you don't see as much. I mean, there was the strain lavender, but I don't see too many people growing that anymore. Quickly, I wanted to write or say I looked up Mercine. So Mercine's commonly found in Blue Dream, Granddaddy Perp, OG Kush, Cherry Pie. It's also find, found in thyme, mango, and lemongrass. Excellent. Thank you, guys. I was going to ask that question myself. Himalayan gold, pink kush, white widow, uh, pure kush, northern lights, and I think you named all the other ones. Nine-pound uh, hammer, grape bait, tangy. Mm -hmm. And it smells like mango, lemongrass, thyme, bay leaves, citrus. It also ranges from musk to citrus, clove, mango, or lemongrass. Clove but, is a weird one. Yeah, clove is definitely strange, but certain things have really clove scent for sure.
and we talked about pining as well and and me and spartan always talk about how it gives you clarity and focus and that we always like the ak strain so ak-47 or like new york 47 you know it's a cross between the diesel and ak and stuff like that so what do you think about pining pining is a near and dear one to jack and i so i'm excited to hear what he has to say about this one pining is my favorite terpene it's broken down into two different terpenes there's alpha pining which is my favorite and there's beta pining first i'll get into alpha pining alpha pining is actually one of the favorite terpenes for me because of the memory enhancing effect most people are probably scratching their head like memory enhancing effects to cannabis well read dr ethan russo's taming thc paper it talks about the entourage effect of cannabis when using different terpenes and specifically pining was one of the only terpenes that was shown to negate the effects of cannabis. The way that cannabis works, this is gonna get a little bit technical, I have a psychology degree. So I could tell you a little bit about something called anandamide. Anandamide is a naturally occurring substance within your brain. So say if you're a fry cook and you take 100 orders a day, you're not gonna wanna remember no pickles or extra cheese, this or that. You need to have an ability to forget certain things or your brain would explode, <laughs> you'd go crazy. So when people use cannabis, it stimulates part of your brain and it impacts the anandamide and it makes the anandamide linger within the synapse for a longer period of time. And while that's happening, it allows you to forget things more readily. So where are my car keys? Where's my cell phone? Where's my sunglasses? All those things that we deem not so important, um, at least for the moment, even if we want them to be important, you know, like losing your car keys sucks, but we, it's not as important as like, uh, you know, have I eaten today? Have I drank water? Like, am I in immediate danger? Things like that. So <clears throat> I'm getting a little bit off track, but anandamide is what allows you to forget and the cannabis makes it stay around for a much longer time. So instead of being around for like five to 10 minutes, it can stay around as long as an hour and make you forget lots of things that you would want to in your short-term memory. It doesn't impact long-term memory. It does impact short-term memory. Alpha pinene has been studied in lab settings to counteract that exact effect. So when cannabis has certain levels of alpha-pinene, people can use high levels of THC without having short-term memory loss effects. So that's personally why it's one of my favorite terpenes. It's actually what got me into terpene research. I wrote a paper a long time ago for my delivery service that was called uh, like breaking the stereotypes of cannabis. So like one of the first stereotypes is cannabis makes people forgetful. Well, alpha-pinene is sort of breaking that stereotype by making people be able to be productive. And it makes sense if you think about it, because there's a lot of professionals that use cannabis. We're not all just lazy stoners who sit around and forget things. A lot of us use it and go about our day and are better workers because of it. I agree with that 100%. And going back to the person that has to remember things, when I got my card, I was dealing with a lot of brain fog. And it was really, really debilitating to the point where I had a hard time focusing to be able to do my job. So one of the first things that I did, I think it was the third strain that I ever got my hands on was AK-47 I got from a caregiver in my town that I've known for like 20 years. And I grew it out and, you know, of course it takes several months to get there. Once I had that smoke, I went back to like it's like giving me the brain of like a 19 or a 20 year old again, in the sense of like being able to multitask and do this and that and stuff. And it just really, it was like a lifesaver medicine for me. And it's making me think that I want to buy some AK seeds again. I'm just not going to horse around. I'm going to get the serious seeds one and just be done with it and throw it out. 
just so you know, for AK-47 Series Seats, Simon is a smart guy, the guy who owns Series Seats. And when he made that line, he allowed, it's an F1 hybrid, and, and it's got a few different parents. So basically, that means that there's a lot of variation. So you can get anything from a super uplifting sativa sort of effect to a super indica effect to something that's going to make you super focused to something that's going to make you super foggy. And uh, so you'll have to do like a pheno hunt and look through some of those seeds for sure, because that's one of the reasons that AK-47 has withstood the test of time is because like whatever is popular, whatever is the terp of the day, whatever is the effect of the day, indicas seem to be more popular over time. I think most people are looking for a sedative effect out of cannabis, but there is definitely a market for sativas. So the fact that that seed line has been around for so long and been so popular, I think is partially because there's so much out there. And if you pop 10 seeds, you find that one that you really love, you hang on to it. And then you, everyone's like, oh damn, AK-47 is awesome because you love it so much. You grow it year after year after year. You learn how to grow it perfectly. And people are like, damn, AK-47 is the fire. And that's been my experience too. It's like, I've always had good AK-47, but I never know if it's going to be uplifting, if it's going to be uh, woody, if it's going to be piney, if it's going to be lemon. <laughs> like it's kind of got a... Mine Crazy was a pine range. bomb, man. It was just a pine bomb from like the old days. I was so happy with it. And then, of course, you know, as a young grower with, you know, it's like your third different strain and like I fucked it up and lost it. So, you know, it's one of those legendary smokes of yesteryear that's in your, you know, databanks. I have recently gotten my hands on a skunk number one, though, that uh, I got from Abolished Farms. And he just finished his out and he's reporting the right terps on it it's you know it's, it's the gas and just gas and ass man you know burnt rubber so i'm excited awesome, i've man. got that i'm gonna just list off a few strains that i found and these are like a lot of them will be on leafly into their credit people call it like leaf lie and want to talk a lot of shit about it because they do fuck up a lot of the uh, genetics they'll say like oh it's this cross to that and then you talk to the breeder and they're like no that's not the right cross at all but they do have a lot of them right and they're terpene analysis and, and papers and things like that for the past few years have actually been very good and, and accurate in a lot of ways because like I said living in California going to dispensaries I've been able to buy the cannabis and see it with lab testing so the ones that I found I, I would initially look at Leafly and then I'd try it and say okay Jack Herrera is one so I'd go to the dispensary try a bunch of Jack Herrera a lot of them would have pinein so I would definitely confidently say all the next ones on the list will definitely have pinein depending on who grew it in the Fino, but uh, in my experience, I've seen them have pining. So Jack Herrera, Dutch Treat, Romulan, Blue Dream, OG Kush, Island Sweet Skunk, Strawberry Cough, Lemon Jack, and J1. And the last one, J1, I fortunately just got a cut of, and I got an ounce of the finished product with that cut because uh, it's a guy I've been friends with for a while we give each other tips at this point i used to sit, like look at him as a mentor but as sequence of i've, I've awesome. talked about he's sort of old school and he's got so set in his way so i try and learn and improve each run and he sort of just does everything the same way each run but man his j1 is some real fire and he gave me a cut of it and he knows the original breeder um the guy back in the 90s here in san diego bought a jack rare from sensi seeds bought a skunk number one from sensi seeds found the best selections of both crossed them together and the one that he has is just a really really sweet pine around christmas time and during the summer it's funny it's more woody it smells like uh, if you ground like a pencil up or when you sharpen a pencil and open up that pencil sharpener it's got that sort of like woody smell to it and a little bit of spiciness 
that's how it smells when he runs it in the summer but in the fall and in the winter it's just the sweetest pine you'd ever want and it really does give me like clarity and one of the things that I use to test that is kind of silly but when I go to like open my door when I'm getting in my house or go to close my door and I'm locking it up to leave when I toss my keys up I have a few keys on the ring <laughs> and I notice whenever I've smoked a high pining strain that I am able to grab my house key like out of the whole bundle just first try and boom it sticks right into the keyhole lock the door and I'm on my way but it'll have, like other strains like if I'm high on something else toss the same exact key thing up try and catch it and like fumble around with it try and stick it in the hole like three or four times and fucking shake it around and it's not working so you really have to take notes and learn what cultivars work for you because if you're using it all day long like that's going to make you unproductive it's going to translate to more than just locking the key a little or locking the door a little bit more slowly that definitely certain strains can really impact your day. And if you're suddenly find yourself growing and smoking a lot of something that makes you fall asleep every time you smoke it or something, all of a sudden you can't get anything done. You can't clean your house. You can't, you know, so definitely be mindful of those things. I, mentioned, that shit. I read an article about the stereotypes about cannabis and how terpenes are thankfully breaking down some of those stereotypes. The second one was that cannabis gives people the munchies. And uh, that would make people think, you know, people that use cannabis are all going to be fat and overweight. And if you look at this panel, none of us are actually obese. So we're all fairly... The counterpoint is that cannabis also increases your metabolism, though, as well. So It does. That. And so we'll get to that, too. But, like, if you look at uh, stone, like some of the most famous iconic stoners, like Wiz Khalifa, Joe Rogan, uh, Snoop, Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson, all these guys, none of them are super fat. And all of them are heavy, heavy cannabis users. So you think, oh, man, they must have munchies all the time. They're going to be eating a whole bunch of shit. Well, humulene is actually a terpene in cannabis, also found in hops. But it is known to lessen people's appetite. So if you've ever been really hungry before and smoked a bowl and your appetite went away and you're actually surprised by that, probably had a lot of humulene in your cannabis. Because I've had that exact experience before where my stomach was growling. And I was like, oh, man, I'm about to tear this food up. I'm going to smoke a little bowl so it tastes even better. I'm like, man, I'm not even in the fucking mood for this food anymore. Like, it would probably taste good because I'm medicated, but I'm just not hungry anymore. And there's even a brand out in California now, and I think it's expanding, called Skinny Weed, that I think is capitalizing on this. It's using, I think, both humulene and I think THCV has been known to be an appetite suppressant as well. That's interesting. Really interesting. So I pulled up uh, humulene that says humulene appears as the third most abundant terpene in these strains, the Saha Leafly, Death Star Headband, Thin Mint Girl Scout Cookie, Original Group Glue, and Candyland. And I would just add a few to that, uh, White Widow, Sour Diesel, and if you, I think you already said Headband, Skywalker OG as well are the other ones I'd add to that list. That, and this is based off of COAs or certif certif Certificate of Analysis from lab tests that I've seen in dispensaries and or delivery so services in California. Yeah, also found in hops and wood. So that's cool. Yeah, it's definitely uh, woody or earthy. Sorry, my cats just ran by and like my mic got really close to my face, so it got a little louder. Um, but yeah, it's usually found in sativa and sativa hybrid strains. Um, so it's one of those things, and I, I don't necessarily love that categorization, but you'll hear me say it a lot. I associate like sativa with the more uplifting effect and indica with the more 
sedative effect, but I, th I do think hybrid is most of the actual market and a lot of it's polyhybrid. It's like an indica to a sativa to an indica to a sativa. And it's really like a mutt at this point. Yeah, I like agree. dog breeding. You can look at like a heirloom. I don't think land race is a perfect term because I think land race is like letting the land pollinate itself. A lot of stuff that people call land race is really heirloom. It's been people picking the best seeds from that crop for that season every year and making it better and better and better. And that's why when you say like, oh, I've got this, what people would call land race Afghani, I would call it an heirloom Afghani because they were deliberately picking the best plants for hash making. Every I would agree year. with that. Yeah. So if you look into the land race, I mean, some people actually have real land race, like CSI Humboldt works with a lot of them. And he on podcasts has talked about how land race are notoriously have a lot of Hermes, have a lot of rags, have a lot of selfing and they do basically everything. Like if you want to get messy and nature is messy, like they do everything they can to survive. And the intentional breeding work that we've done for years and years and years is what has made cannabis stable and monaceous versus dioecious. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's naturally a male female plant either. We've talked about this and this is maybe a, something we could do on a different show, Jack, but uh, maybe we can talk about that really briefly. But um, I believe that all plants, all of the cannabis plants would throw bananas if you let them go long enough. And if you hit them with silver thiosulfate, that's the perfect, like to me, it's all about ethylene. Uh, if you think about like human beings, estrogen is what makes like. Yeah. My theory is just that human. like, Ethylene's if I put this plant, plant, this plant behind me, if I put this in a field and never harvested it, it would pollinate itself naturally every time, you know, I or think you're probably right. And so if you like, were able to keep it alive long enough, the weather usually comes and kills it before. Yeah. So is that truly a female plant? I don't know. You know, but that's maybe a show, a show topic we can talk about sometime. It's I think very it has to do with hormones and like breeding for that hormone stability. And we talked a little bit earlier. I don't know if it was on the show or not, but like uh, one of my buddies grows form cut Girl Scout. And if he doesn't clean up the bottom of the plant, it'll tend to have some bananas that actually throw pollen. And it got a few seeds in his room on his last run because of that. And he ran the exact same cut this run, didn't seed the room because he cleaned it up and did everything perfect. And so there was no issue. But I do think that every single plant has the capacity to be flipped to a male. Every, every quote female plant has the capacity to be flipped. Yeah, definitely. Male. And it's usually not by like, let's say like uh, Brothers Grimm, Cinderella 99, uh, they've grown that cut for like 20 years and never saw it herm in natural growing circumstances, indoors, outdoors, overfed, underwatered, stressed, all that shit. Never ever once saw it herm from stress or light leaks, did everything they could to make it herm and they couldn't. But as soon as you hit it with silver thiosulfate, that blocks the ethylene and it hurts. So that says that it can, like all of them can. It's just a matter of hormones, in my personal opinion. Yeah, definitely. But it's interesting that we can do sex testing. You can see if it's dominantly female or dominantly male within like two weeks of it sprouting from a seed. Yeah, it makes me wonder what the, uh, the science is behind the sex testing markers and stuff. That is way above my head as far as genomics goes, but I do think that there are certain sequences that, uh, speaking of sequence, <laughs> like you, your name, but there are certain genomic sequences that have a indication that, that this plant will express predominantly female or this plant will express predominantly male as it's like uh, basis of the genetic code. I think they have, even males, I think have the ability to flip to female if they're stressed or if you use the right chemical derivatives to try and make that happen. Yeah, you so, can flip male to female just the same. Um, and Gloria, I think we had... Uh, never smoke it. 
somebody talked about this on our show. They did, and I'm trying to remember who it is too. And I want to say it was 2020 that talked about flipping them to male or female so that they could see the flower expression. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. And I would just say don't smoke it for anybody who does it because floral, the chemical that's used to flip a male, female, it will help you see the expression of what that genetic would hold if it was a female. But the floral chemical is extremely toxic to smoke. So it's, it's like, you know, Eagle 20, myclobutanol. Like it's fine if you have it on an edible crop, but as soon as you start heating it and inhaling it, it becomes hydrogen cyanide. And I don't personally think it's actually fine on an edible crop like i don't play just the tip with chemicals personally try and get as organic as possible <laughs> but uh they they claim it's fine on edible crops i'll say versus uh, i know it's not okay on an inhalable crop because if you smoke that hydrogen cyanide at a certain ppm will literally just kill you man but i love that quote terpenes are solvents especially when they're concentrated and the thing about terpenes is uh, and I mention this often, some of the lower ones like myrcene and osamine evaporate off at 68 degrees Fahrenheit, which is incredibly low. And uh, so when people are doing these extractions where they're separating terpenes, they'll like do BHO, for example, and then they take the terpenes out first because it happens at a lower temperature, and then they get the THC distillate. And then when they try and add that terpene back in, they've actually done chemical analysis. And it is a different chemical at that point. Once you've extracted it and heated it, you can see under like a microscope, it's changed. It's still pining as pining, for example, but if you've heated it up and added it back in, it, for whatever reason, it's a different thing. That's why I think a lot of people really like the whole flower because you're never going to get the terpenes like you do on the actual plant because once they've been extracted and, and put back in, it might smell the same, but I think there is a difference to it. And like, me personally, I feel a lot more like heady effects and I get a lot less body in most concentrates. That's why I really like hash. I feel like a little bit of that plant material is responsible maybe for some of the effects a lot of us old school flower smokers like. I definitely agree. I think that um, like I always have some selection of all of it around, but um, I don't think I'll ever be able to go without flower like some people actually do. No. Oh, no, that's me. I, I have choices. You know, I've got several different ways. I've got a, a tabletop vaporizer. I've got a multitude of bowls, bongs, wraps, joints. And I prefer, I mean, I've got, Sequence makes fun of me all the time because I'm like the thriftiest dabber he knows because I'll have concentrates from like five months ago still. It, because I have I got like years, bro. Yeah, <laughs> two, well, that's two, what I'm saying. Years. Like that's I've got same, like I feel you same way. Yeah, I got like 20 jars, okay, and they all have something in it. So I'm like a little hummingbird. I just you know I come, I get a little bit from this, and ooh, I want to fill this today, or ooh, I want to take this flavor. I'm really in a GMO mood, or you know what I mean. So hummingbird's the perfect term because it's like nectar. They even have those little nectar collectors. That's and, what I use. Yeah, and it's what your body's calling for. I feel like the same way even with food. If you're hungry, like I think I'm getting more into like the mic microbes and stuff with science i've heard we have more microbial cells or microbes on our body than we have human cells and a lot of people are talking about our gut and our, our microbiome crazy. and so if you're craving something for example it's probably all these little fucking microbes in your stomach saying like hey we really want salt like go get some symbiotic relationship go eat. for sure so i think cannabis is the same way like your endocannabinoid system is like telling you in your body it's like oh man i, I smell all these jars and this one for whatever reason it might smell like a foot or dirty feet or like underwear, or like fucking nasty garlic, dead. I never meat. thought I would like garlic. When I read that on the flavor wheel years ago, I'm like, first of all, 
who the fuck is growing garlic ass weed? You know, this is how dumb we were, or at least me. Hey, I'll take credit for being a dumbass. I don't care, man. Um, but you never know I was looking at that. Yeah, I think it was a greenhouse seeds flavor really from back in the day. If you see, I know you've seen that somewhere. Yep. And uh, you know, you get into that whole garlic and cloves and stuff. And but when you try those terpenes for the first time, especially, especially if you want to experience terpenes, try concentrates. Don't roll the dice on flour. You can really, really get a very, very good representation of what some of these terpenes are by concentrate specifically, I feel. If you have good concentrate artists like uh, Frigroli or Dabs. That's, and that's the Dabs thing or, is, is uh, Michigan. Any of those guys I mean, around you. Michigan's half our killing panel, in a concentrate game. Half our panel is concentrate makers. Yeah, and I would say uh, there's not like a lack of it in California. We definitely have a lot of it. I'm just more of a flour enthusiast. I make an ice water hash myself, and I also do dry sieve. But you've got it right there, that heads. It's um, I've done BHO in the past, back in the early two thousands, late two thousands. We were open blasting and not properly uh, cooking. Oh yeah, people used to do it around here too. Thankfully, I always did it outside, so we never blew ourselves up. But like one of my buddies, literally like exploded their lab and like burned himself up pretty badly. So I definitely don't recommend people uh, using. Uh, petrochemicals and hydrosolids, like, you know, anything that's pressurized, yeah, make sure you have professional lab grade equipment. Don't do it inside. If you don't like that kind of stuff should be done outdoors or in an open garage with lots of ventilation, um, making sure that you're just being as safe as possible. Always. Um, one of the things I wanted to get into about terpenes is I really liked the golden tarp awards because they broke it down into four categories. I don't know if these are the exact four categories. I think they called it fuel, um, fruit sweet like sweet and sour and this uh leafly i have a, it's a terpene poster <laughs> that has like probably 30 or 40 different flavors i only have it right next to my grow room because when i go through and do a stem rub or even smelling the, the buds and flower sometimes i'll be like damn that smells good but what the fuck is that smell and i don't have the ability to put my finger on it just by pulling from my memory bank sometimes so i'll look over at this thing and it'll like have grape grapefruit lemon lime Mango, citrus, blueberry, apricot, apple, sweet, floral, orange, peach, plum, butter, chestnut, vanilla, coffee, cloves, earthy, woody, herbal, mint, pine, sage, pepper, spice, tobacco, blue cheese, cheese, pungent, tar, diesel. And that's just like, if you have that in your palate to think about, it's a lot easier to sort of put your finger on, what am I smelling? Okay, that's pine. Okay, that's alpha pinene. Now I know what that smells like. Now I know what cultivar has this. And when you consume it, understanding how the effects impact you is most important because you can read a paper about how pinene will make you most focused. But until you try a cultivar that makes you feel focused, you're not going to believe it, one. And two, it, it, even if pinene does that for 90% of the population, it might not do that for you. Caffeine is a stimulant for most people, but for some people it is sedating, which I don't really understand. Uh, pharmacologically it doesn't make much sense but like tylenol is a perfectly good drug for 999 out of a thousand people but it kills one out of a thousand people <laughs> so does that make it bad no it's like unfortunately certain people have different biologies so learning and understanding your own biology and how it works like we all have our own road and we all have our own little pot holes that we need to fill in with our pot <laughs> for example you know and cannabis is a great medicine to do that and our endocannabinoid system needs to be I think personally uh, engaged every single day, whether you're eating it or in 
ingesting it, however you're doing it, putting it on your skin, I think it will improve your quality of life. And in the future, we're going to be seeing it not just as uh, presented like a, a drug or a medicine or a recreational, flavorful thing to enjoy as an intoxicant, but we're going to be seeing it as like how we see vitamin C put in food. And we're seeing that now with CBD. I mean, Carl's Jr., or was it Carl's Jr., one of the big ones sold a CBD burger on 420 at all their stores. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Every store had a CBD burger all across the nation, which is kind so, of So, Jack, do you think that um, we run into a risk of CHS by putting CBD into all kinds of different things? People having CBD on their pillows and their yoga pants and their toothpaste. Um, you I'm think not that, sure, that, to be honest, I don't know if CHS, I think it's more caused by THC personally. I think uh, with CBD being high, we have liver toxicity issues. A lot of that might be coming from ingesting high levels of concentrate that have a lot of other stuff in them. So making sure you're getting the cleanest possible product. Like a lot of people get CBD from China because China grows a ton of hemp. Well, I brought it up. I brought it up because I saw Future 4200 talking about this on Instagram. So it must have some basis. Um, yeah, he doesn't fuck around. That guy is a very, yeah. very scientific minded. So I think it's a question worth asking that maybe putting CBD into everything may or may not be a good idea. I don't know. But like you well, said. Not, not if it's a good idea or a bad idea, but it's going to happen is all I'm saying. Like with oh, the way yeah. it's moving, the amount of hemp that's being grown, the amount of CBD that's being uh, extracted, and not just CBD but we're going to be seeing all the different minor cannabinoids. If they figure out certain ones have certain effects, they're going to extract them and use them like a pharmaceutical. Obviously most of us are whole plant people. So like, we're going to be like, yeah, let's, let's grow the flower, smoke it, inhale it. Uh, yes. Yeah, sorry about the break. I was engaging my endocannabinoid system. I seen that. I seen it. <laughs> Taking a nice uh, milky bong grip. I packed up my, bong of j1 that's why i'm probably talking super fast and like forgetting to breathe certain times it's bronchiodilators <laughs> I pushed back i'm smoking on some q and copper from silver squirrel farms and it's very 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 sedative so it's very stony it sits on you but at the same time I see it in your eyes oh yeah i always have like stone look we did an episode with uh can of kitten and she had a quote in it and she said that when she goes for like job interviews and shit, she said, always go stoned. So that way when you show up to work stoned, everybody already thinks you look that way. I got that one from Lady Greenstock, man. She yeah. has been doing that ever since I met her and I started, I have adopted that philosophy and it's worked great for me. And be yourself business. people, be yourself. hundred percent. They'll, they'll never know. I'm always medicated. So it's like, if they only know me as medicated me, they'll probably be like, why the fuck are you so grumpy if they see me when I'm not? You know, because I'm achy and feeling like shit. That's the trick is to just be medicated all the time. I totally agree with that trick. What's in your garden right now, Jack? I am growing two cultivars and I've got six plants. Uh, I, I've actually got three cultivars. One is a mother plant, J1. It's just being kept in uh, quarantine right now while I'm doing uh, my flower run for medicine. It's from a dude named Vegan Doja, aka Doja DNA. That's D-O-J-A DNA on Instagram. And it's a cross between Purple Punch, which is Granddaddy Purple and Larry OG. And he crossed that to his, what he calls Cookie 7, which I thought for a while was just a pheno of cookies. It's not. <laughs> cookie 7 is Thin Mint Girl Scout cookie crossed with Black Velvet Kush crossed with OG Kush. So 
that is all across the purple punch and I'm running it in the winter under my new LEDs. I have a little bit of a blue supplementation that bring out lots of purple and I have a very confident feeling because I've ran his purple punch cross to another one of his cultivars and it came out super pink because the other one was not notoriously a purple cultivar. I'm thinking with two purple parents in the middle of the winter under this LED, we're going to have some uh, lots of color. And I just flipped a flower two days ago. So like 60, 70 days and counting, we'll have some uh, dink. I got a lot of color out of my LED this run. Um, I'm not sure if it's due to temperature. I don't have a full-time temperature monitor, but I do have a setup now where I'm going to be able to monitor the temperature all the time. Um, so maybe temperature plays a role, but um, I've got a lot of purple plants this time. One of them is a lilac diesel, so I'm sure that one was supposed to purple like yours are. Ooh, it's an ethos. Yeah, that, that's in the big Detroit energy. It's the lilac diesel, and that one turns really purple. That should probably have some linalool too, because we were talking about lilac and uh, not being too common. That's pretty cool to have that terpene waiting yeah. in there for you. I'm really excited. It's like the stinkiest plant. It's got the most, um, like you were talking about earlier, or Scobo was earlier about like the old um, cat piss strains or burnt tar and rubber and all of this different things. It's the one that's more on that end than the fruit side of things, which is exciting to me. Everything's fruity these days. Mine yes. is uh, my one that I was just telling you about the velvet. It's called Velvet Punch That Cross. Uh, that's the cookie seven cross to the purple punch. Uh, one of them is definitely like super OG dominated. It's got like a gassier smell. It's stretchier, uh, more viney growing. And the other one is definitely more purple punch. It's got like a sweeter smell on the stem rub. Uh, even in veg, they've been smelling great. And I've got a few studs. I'm actually doing a, a little seed project just for fun. And uh, this is straight up pollen chucking because I haven't grown either of the lines before. So I don't know what to expect from the parents. This is just like a for fun project to see uh, how the seeds turn out. But I have two males, one being Velvet Punch, which I already described. And it's just, I couldn't kill him off. He was two beautiful structures, perfectly symmetrical. It's more of the OG leaning. It's a uh, vinier, but it's perfect symmetry. It grows amazingly and uh, just looked too beautiful. I couldn't, didn't have the heart to kill it. So I'm like, I'm going to collect some pollen and make some F2s with uh, one of the females. And then I'm also, because when I went on vacation, uh, my plant sitter only watered my plants in flower, which like good for them. They, they took care of my medical garden, uh, but they let my seedlings die all except for one. Oh. So like I had like 10 out of 10 pop and I had them in like a, my little veg cabinet and one out of 10 lived and I got it sex tested. It's destiny, bro. And I was like, you know, he lived, he survived, he fucking deserves it. Like, I can't kill him off. Like, he had, he had too much of a will to survive. He had drought tolerance. And now it's funny because, like, he drinks like a motherfucker. Like, he, he's drinking twice as much as the Velvet Punch right next to him in the same room. So I'm like, I, I got to collect pollen off of it, and I got to make an F1 cross with that Velvet Punch. So, so I have one female that I'm going to use, like, half the plant to pollinate for F2s. Use the other half of the plant to pollinate for F1s with uh, Lamb's People, which is from um, Mass Medical Strains 2.0 on Instagram. It's a cross from 1990s Jamaican Lamb's Bread with their Star Pupil, which is a purple cultivar as well. That one smells minty, and it's like the bushiest plant. I'll have to post. I've been growing it under a 4K, uh, 4,000 Kelvin spectrum hlg 65 in my veg cabinet and this thing literally i thought my last grow 
had the tightest node spacing I'd ever seen, which was strawberry daiquiri. But this plant, it's like in one inch of uh, stalk, you've got four to five node spaces on the plant. It is so absurd. Like I can't even brush the nodes to the side. Like I can't find my way to the main stem because it's so bushy. And I'm like, I'm going to have to start. Yeah, it's going to be a chore. So yeah. And have some pollen sacks that are able to open up because like otherwise it'll just be a literal row of balls and like it'll be so tight i don't think it'll be able to successfully throw flowers so i'm going to selectively pick certain stocks to keep because it is a jungle yeah that sour melon that i got from abolished is growing like that it's just got tons of nodes on it so i think the yield is going to be good um is there anything that you're looking forward to popping soon jack i have tropicana cookies f2 and um, I'm going to pop a sour diesel back cross four from ethos. I'm really looking forward to, um, I have these, they're called Del Norte fuel, which is one of the crazier crosses from that dude, vegan doja. He made it because back in 2008, when he started growing in, uh, it's called Del Norte. It's a County in uh, Northern California and uh, Crescent city is the area. I think that he was more specifically at a lot of people were charging insane prices is for a cut of OG. Like if you wanted a real cut of OG, something that was gassy, you had to pay thousands of dollars to get a cut. And he was like, patience over profits. This dude is like a real deal. He cares about the people. He gives away so much medicine. Like he's just the most generous dude I've met. Uh, when I worked at the delivery service I was telling you about, he was the only guy who ever smoked me out. <laughs> he brought me in and he's like, hey, I got some hash. You got to try this. And like, he showed me this badass like glass wand that you heat up and you use it to smoke hash with. And like him and I instantly connected on that. And even after he moved up to Northern California, we stayed in touch through Instagram. And um, the strain, Del Norte Fuel, <laughs> he named it after Del Norte where he's from, was a cross because he wanted to make fuel available to people like at a much more reasonable price, which was usually free. He gave me the seeds for free. So I'm pulling up the cross right now so I don't get it wrong. But I know it started with a Mexican sativa. And a lot of people are like, oh shit, Mexican sativa. <laughs> So here's Del Norte Fuel. It's Mexican heirloom, crossed to Chem 4, crossed to OG Kush, back crossed twice, and then he crossed that to GG4, or Gorilla Glue number four. So it's a crazy ass, what I'd call a polyhybrid. But it, when crossed to the Purple Punch, he called it Jack Spike Punch. He gave me like a 40 pack of seats for free because I sent him some hash ones to replace the one that he broke. Um, he didn't have a smoke shop that was selling them. So I like went and got him a free gift. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked <laughs> that cross to the purple punch, Jack spike punch. I grew on my Instagram and it, it turned out to be the biggest yielding, most potent plant I've ever grown, which is like a shocker for me. Cause normally the lowest yielders are like some of the best smoke. This was the biggest plant in the room, sexiest, frosty as fuck. It had great color, great smell. And it literally got, it's so potent. My barber who's been smoking since the nineties in California, smoked one bowl we were sitting in my house he was cutting my hair he had to literally leave the house he threw up and like i've never seen that from flower before I, like i felt bad and like i would never brag about that because like i've never had that happen to me i've never thrown up from cannabis and like we were talking about chs earlier and like i think that is unfortunate but i think he was just too high because like after he threw up he needed to sit down and like breathe and like calm down outside like he was so fucking high he just couldn't handle it and i've only ever seen that happen from dabs you guys have to so, like, define for the listeners this, that CHS. You've used it four times between the two of you, and you've not defined what CHS is for the Cannabis listeners. hypermesis syndrome. It's uh, cyclical vomiting, which is 
often induced by chronic cannabis use. Um, a lot of people point to people that are dabbing heavily and taking huge amounts of often the point to THC and people begin to vomit over and over and over. And one of the only ways that they can find relief is taking really hot showers. So what happens is because they're vomiting, they're getting dehydrated. And because of taking hot showers, they're sweating, they're getting more dehydrated. They lead to, uh, I think it's kidney or renal failure. And people have actually died from that. So it's not from the cannabis itself, but the side effect of improperly managing your health while you're experiencing cyclical vomiting, whether it's caused by neem oil or, because azadiractin poisoning, azadiractin is the active ingredient in neem, has very similar side effects to what CHS expresses. Yeah, this but is really still up for debate on what causes the CHS stuff, which is why I asked that question earlier. Um, you can continue, Jack. It's just, uh, we don't really know yet quite exactly what causes it. Some articles will seem like for madness. It's so yeah. bad. Like they're like, cannabis is killing people and, and everyone's going to get CHS. But like, I think it's just, it's too uh, unknown at this point. It's like the vape epidemic. Like, I don't want to just say, oh, THC carts are all poison and they're all bad. They're all killing people. Because I know that there are some ones out there that are doing it properly, but I think they're few and far between. I think if you're buying an illicit cart from the street versus like going to a dispensary and paying for one that had to pass t pesticide testing three or four times uh, you're much safer spending that higher dollar to protect your health but and it seems very test. specific person to person and uh even garden to garden um on what causes it you know there's it obviously people, people that have stop. smoked yeah there's obviously people that have smoked forever and have been fine and there's obviously people that can't smoke at all you know, so there's a spectrum of that, of that there. Um, just maintain your health, of course. 100%. And, and pay attention if you do start having those effects. Stop smoking whatever you were smoking. If you do need cannabis as medicine, try and find a different source and see if it still continues. I do often think it's source-related, personally. Like, I, I don't want it to say, oh, cannabis can do no wrong. Cannabis can do no harm. But whenever I see a study that's like, cannabis causes cancer, I look at it and it's like, well, they looked at a group of 80 people and 60 of them, you know, used tobacco and only like five of them were cannabis users only. And they already had cancer. So they're looking at it backwards. Like they're not taking a healthy population and saying they started using cannabis now. Let's look at them in 10, 15, 20 years, et cetera. So most of the studies have gaping holes or extremely small sample sizes or just don't replicate. So a lot of the stuff like I'm skeptical of because I've seen it be medicine for hundreds of people. And like totally. It's nice to see the the legislation opening up more, which is going to lead to more research, which is good for people like us that aren't necessarily trying to lead a, moving. yeah, we're not necessarily trying to lead a cannabis parade, you know, we just need information. Right. And we want universities to be the ones studying it. It's like normal has been trying to sue the government for like the last three years. Cause they said, Oh, we're gonna open it up for more universities to study it. And they have dragged their feet and dragged their feet and not allowed it to happen. So it's still just, I think the university of Michigan or not Michigan, uh, Mississippi or something down there and they grow really shitty cannabis like they're they're terrible at it unfortunately they have really good testing equipment and, and analysis equipment but they don't grow well at all it's just blatantly apparent like whenever they publish any of their stuff it's like the results are laughably low compared to any of the markets and that might be because our testing is inflated but I also see the pictures of this stuff and it looks terrible and so the people are doing it much better than the government is no surprise Mississippi University of Mississippi, you're bad and you should feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess. I mean, they are trying. Unfortunately, most of the research they did was 
why cannabis is bad. Like, why is it addicting? Is it killing people? And is it that most of it was funded by the National Institute of Drug Abuse, NIDA. That's so for like several years, that's the only people that have been paying for any of the cannabis research. I do think that research done that way is useful. Like, I think it's fine to say, uh, to go into an experiment with the hypothesis, like, um, why is cannabis addictive? Because you're trying to prove that. So you can, so you can disprove that all the same. Um, so those types of studies can be useful sometimes. It just depends on how they're done. Ethically, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy that they exist because most of them actually point to that cannabis is not uh, extremely addicting like right. a lot of other substances. It's not extremely harmful like a lot of other substances that are already legal. Like even just talking about alcohol and tobacco. Like we over-regulate cannabis so much. If we could just get the taxes down to the point where it was at the place where alcohol and tobacco is because most of us know, you know, tobacco is killing 450,000 plus people a year in the United States alone. And alcohol leads to, I think, 30,000 deaths from just car accidents, let alone cirrhosis of the liver and the actual documented medical negative side effects of it. But we continue to allow that. And I'm not opposed to it. And I don't think the cannabis people should be opposed to it either. Like one of the things we need to all come together on is I think 60 something percent of people are pro cannabis legalization and only like 12 or 15 or 20 percent of people actually use cannabis so that means there's like 40 percent of people that are alcohol users and are tobacco users they're saying we're pro legalization so like we should not be shitting on tobacco we should not be shitting on alcohol as industries we should be saying hey you know what you guys have your regulations they're working for you we just want to be regulated just like you guys maybe we'll pay a little bit more at first but like let's scale it back let's make it reasonable well, we, we, we have to focus on, on what we share is that we are three different arms of the same umbrella that's called a coping mechanism. You know, why do you smoke cigarettes? It might be for a coping mechanism, man. You might do it so that you don't fucking go off on people or something. I don't know. Maybe you needed to do it to get your ass going in the morning. Why do people drink alcohol? Maybe it makes them feel like they need to loosen up or something. You know, it's it, it, a focus on the shit that you share rather than separates you. 100%, 100% agree with that. And it's like whatever you choose to unwind with at the end of the night, as long as you're not beating your significant other or committing crimes. Do it to, responsibly. To do it. But yeah, you got to do it responsibly. And uh, some stuff is a little bit easier. I would say just in my experience, I've seen people can better manage cannabis as far as like anger. If you're somebody who has a tendency for anger, I think cannabis is a very beneficial um, flavored intoxicant. I think about like wines, tobaccos, and alcohols. A lot of these these things are just flavored intoxicants and they do have medical properties. Like I'm like, I've mentioned at the very beginning of the show, one of the things I care most about with cannabis is its medical effect. And I do see it as a medicine, but I also see there are people that just want to get high and just want to have fun. And like Skillbot has mentioned, I think in, in its own sense, that is medical. Like some people say all use is medical. I'm in that camp because like, I if you're getting well. stress relief from it, if you're, if you're getting stress relief from it, like people say, Oh, well, why do you smoke? It makes me happy. That's an antidepressant. You know, it's making you feel uplifted. Or if you weren't happy before because of some chemical imbalance, it's correcting that. Or if you can't eat because you're not hungry enough, it helps you get to that place. Or if you're eating too much and you need to eat less, you can find that humiliating and, and figure out how to best medicate to make your life work for you. And I'm happy that the laws are just allowing people to do that, whether you want to use tobacco, alcohol, or cannabis. Like just, I guess it's a little bit libertarian, but like just let us do what the fuck we want to do as long as we're not hurting each other.
Just regulate the market in the sense of making sure that what's available is safe. I don't want any fucking bathtub gym sold at my, you know, party store down the road. That's going to make somebody out there laugh mentioning a party store. Well, it's true, but you also don't want vitamin E in your vape, so, you know. Correct. 100%. And I agree with the sensible regulation to make sure the products are safe. And it's funny because, like, in our growing with my fellow growers, Dr. MJ always says, uh, no one ever buys bathtub moonshine anymore. No one ever buys uh, illegal alcohol. Well, on top of the fact that there is a home brew market, people do brew their own alcohol and beer. Um, that's the thing. But I actually, my fiance and her friend, they buy moonshine from somebody who makes it themselves. And I know a few other people that do that as well. So there are still those black market moonshiners out there or illicit market, I'll say. Um, I have family in Georgia. I am a partaker of the shine. Yeah, it's it's uh, not all just like the what I considered shine where I was from. Some people call it like white lightning, uh, that Kentucky regional type, like name. Yeah, it's a wild thing. Ninety-nine point nine percent, and it's got like a little bit of rubber, so it won't evaporate on you. And it's just like you'll go blind if you drink too much of this shit. Uh, but like out here in California, usually they call moonshine out here like vodka with like cinnamon sticks soaking in a mason jar. You know, it's like a. a a bougie kind of thing it's 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 reasonably different unfortunately like people like they call homemade liquor moonshine if it's gonna get this apple 40 or 90 yeah it's weird like they were drinking it on mason jars they're like oh we got this moonshine it tastes so good i was like what you're drinking moonshine like you're gonna go blind and then i, I smelled it i was like this is a cocktail it's like one this is a mixed 20 thing. proof yeah yeah exactly what's the uh your favorite cocktail? What's your favorite terpenes uh, sequence? I know we talked a little bit in the past that you like pinene. Is there another terp that strikes your fancy? Um, I don't know if I've done necessarily tons of terpene research, but uh, pinene is definitely one. Um, some of my favorite strains are like sour diesel, so I'm not sure where that falls on the spectrum. Um, Girl Scout cookies is definitely in there, and that was on several of the ones that we had just went over. Uh, pinene is the one that I want to focus on definitely because it has um, memory effects and anti-inflammatory effects and um, kind of PTSD sleep effects, all kinds of things that I'm really looking for. So the bronchial dilator, it opens yeah. up your lungs so you get more oxygen naturally, which is a great benefit to people. If, ask any yogi, deep breathing, how beneficial it is. So that's kind of some of the stuff I'm looking for. Um, as for... You mentioned sours. Yeah. And uh, I'll say we haven't talked about this one yet. It's one of the most common in cannabis. Limonene is one of the terpenes that you can identify right away because it smells like citrus. Um, it can range from lemon to orange. Uh, many of us have had the experience of opening up a bag or jar, taking that deep inhale and having that sort of household cleaner, almost like a pledge or like lemony. So that's usually a combination of pinene and limonene. And it can actually range all the way through like grapefruit and things like that. So some of the strains that are known for being high in limonene are sour diesel, as you mentioned, OG Kush. So OG Kush is one you can smell. It's like literally like pine salt. It's like lemon pine, uh, at least a lot of the phenos of it that I've seen. Super Lemon Haze, Trainwreck, and Bubba Kush are all known for being high in limonene. Ooh, and I it's, got one. it's good for anti-anxiety and depression. So it's uh, really uplifting. Even just smelling it has been known to help people get off of their depression medications. There's some studies in Japan. I was going to say it makes you smile. 
Yeah, it makes you smile. It you really open the jar, you smell it, and everybody, I was going to say it when you started, I was like, that's what gives me the smiles, man. Like, I grew a grapefruit diesel for years that was just absolutely it. And I liked it because it was like cat pissy grapefruit, which is a really interesting terp that's just like, oof, man, I wish I could get that one back. That ammonia terp, it almost throws into the skunk terp category for me. Like, I don't think that's uh -huh. actually a terpene. I think that might be an ester or an alcohol or a varin. And people can Google the term varin. I think it's V-A-R-A-N. It's like one of the other constituents that can be responsible for flavor and smell and fruits and flowers. Um, but they're not even being tested for in cannabis. We're not testing for esters. We're not testing for alcohols. We're not testing for variants. We're not testing for anything except for THC, CBD, lots of terpenes, and a lot of minor cannabinoids. So there's so much of a giant picture going on that even the people that are like breeding with uh, predicative technologies that say like, oh, we're going to find the highest CBD or THC, V or whatever ter terpene, they're still going to be behind the eight ball in my opinion because people that are breeding with their smell, with their intuition and with the effect are going to be able to find those cultivars that are truly unique and special because it's a combination of all these things. It's the esters and the terpenes. So like you got a little bit of that limonene, but you probably also got a little bit of some ammonia type cat pissy ester. And like, what is that? Who knows? But they're not able to find it. They're not jarring the it diesel up. as well. And that's what the weird part is. It was like a three way runner, man. And it just, whoo, but it was great for daytime. You would smoke some of that and you know, 15 minutes later, it didn't matter. You would just be up like cleaning or you would kick it into another gear at work. It was just awesome. I think gibberellic acid is responsible for some of the diesel smell. I think if you look at like OG Kush, it's notoriously gassy. If you look at Chem, a lot of these strains that stretch like crazy, that have that gassy note to them, have uh, in theory a lot of gibberellins in them. If you use gibberellic acid to like sprout old seeds, for example, and you go to grow out those old seeds versus not using it, they become super tall and leggy. And uh, a lot of people theorize that's what makes OG Kush so lanky and, and stretchy. That's fascinating because you say gibberellic acid and I was thinking about seed popping. I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. I don't know anything about this. Wow, that's... The plant dude. naturally creates it within itself, just like ethylene. There's a whole yeah. lot of other stuff going on. Like if you talk to a botanist or any of these uh, plant biologists, people, they can tell you there's so much going on within the plant. We look at it from a relatively narrow scope because we're doing a lot of, what is it, just basically root zone management, making sure there's water when they're supposed to be, making sure there's fertigation, whether it's soil or hydroponic or whatever you choose to do, uh, and then maintaining a proper um, environment, heat, humidity, all that stuff, light. You're just, we're, we're keepers of the plant. The plant's doing all the work. We're just making sure that the environment's dialed in to produce what we want. And well, and I then stress also that, I'm sorry, I, I like to stress that we're just keepers of the plant when uh, people are wanting to grow bag seeds and uh, questionable genetics, you know? because the genetics really are a lot of what you're seeing when you see it grow. It's expression. But let's talk 100%. about this, is we know how fragile these terpenes and these esters can be. And it can be just a simple thing like temperature where they volatilize and they're gone. It also has to do with how we hold this and store it. You know, So you can grow the best plant and even if you don't fuck it up and you're able to harvest it, now you've got to have a way to preserve that. And you've spent so much time, you know, searching for the strain and cultivating it, growing it with love and being the keeper of the plant. You know, think, don't think that the job is done just yet because, oh, I got it to the jar. It's curing now. I'm straight, you know. 
know, it's just an observation that it's a very fragile mix. And that's why you can't just say, hey, man, my buddy grew OG Kush and I had it and it was fire. So I'm going to go buy some OG Kush seeds. There's so many different variables. Heat and light are really yeah. big ones. I use those UV proof jars. A lot of people like the sea vaults because those block 100% of the light. Um, but I use UV proof mason jars for my curing. I always try and keep it inside of a place where there's no direct sunlight hitting it. Like I have a little cabinet uh, in my living room that sl slips into like a bookshelf and it's completely blocking out all the light and it stays below 68 degrees. Um, one of the things that I talked about earlier was the Myerbs now, and I actually really like the concept of that product. But one of the things I didn't like when I listened to the episode was he said the operating temperature is between 78 and low 80s. And I know personally that that is going to cook off certain terpenes. There's no vacuum happening. There's no other stuff going on. And he has lab testing side by side where he showed his actually did better. And Grow Eat Easy, a pretty popular website and Instagram, they actually did testing on four plants as well. And they saw better results with the Myerbs now as well with certain cultivars. But with other cultivars, some of the terpene did go down. Yeah, so, I thought that was really interesting too. Cultivar to cultivar specific. So if you have one that can handle that a little bit warmer, then that Myerbs now is fucking badass because it does a great job. It gets it dried in three, four days tops. And then you can get to the curing where you're not going to have to use as much space, blah, blah, blah. And if it's not your cultivar is not being negatively impacted, then that's great. But if you grew one that's like high in osamine or high in myrcene, that's getting cooked off. <laughs> I'm pretty confident. I'm, I'd be curious. He said one thing that made me really nervous was he goes, oh, I've had like dozens or maybe even hundreds of tests done with the side-by-side. -side. And that makes me think that like a lot of the hanging won. And he shows us the one where the Myerb is now won the test for example. And that could just be me being a paranoid <laughs> skeptic, blah, blah, blah. But then, like I said, I support his machine from what you guys have said about Eagle Gardens using it, smoking his bud and being like, oh, I just pulled this down a few. Oh, yeah. It's been really said, good product for it's sure. Is that good? And abolished. So, he did the same thing. When we went to a show, he gave us a sample that he had just pulled down with it. And it was like, wow, man, it, it didn't taste green. You would think it would be green tasting. You know, you're prepared for it to be green, but it's not. The freeze dryer does that, but there's like a cryo freeze company that claims that they get rid of the green taste. I know um, old man Hermit Hash has tried it, and he said that there was a lot of green taste, and it just went like straight to powder. It's like not a great consistency if you don't dethaw it properly. But I do think there's something there. I think it'd be cool to, is that old man Hermit Hash? Talk yeah, so we can see right it. There. So you're probably familiar with old man Hermit Hash if you listen to Michigan Bros Grow Show. I just like to uh, shout out some of the boys. You guys do great work over there. Those jars are hella hard to open, by the way. I'm so terrified that I'm going to spill it every time I open it. I'm like, like just gentle, gentle, gentle. And the problem is I'm not holding it properly. I should have kept it in a freezer. Like when he gave it to us, it came out of a freezer. But, uh, you know. Mine's in the freezer, I, old man. Yeah. Mine is in the freezer. Look, he's res like, <laughs> he's like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. Respect for the craft, old man. If you ever want to get me some more of that. <laughs> there's not much of that left i love just taking a chill and just putting some right on top of it you know well jack we've covered tons and tons of stuff is there anything else that you want to talk about man i think i'll just hit one more terp and that's terpinoline terpinoline is uh found in a lot of the haze strains and it's got a uh apple nutmeg lilac it's it can smell like pine it can smell floral it can smell herbal uh so it's definitely a more unique and rare terpene and it's uh, 
really interesting. I would say if it's associated with the hazes, it's going to have a little bit more uplifting effect, but I, I don't have the research on that one in particular. I just know, looking over at my little chart, that that was one of the more commonly found terpenes in cannabis, but I think we went over uh, caryophylline, linalool, humulene, myrcene, alpha-pinene, and limonene. I'm just going to read off uh, some strains for linalool because I don't think we hit that. Linalool is commonly found in lavender, Skywalker OG, headband, Ingrid, pink kush, master kush, OG shark, amnesia haze, and LA confidential. So if you're interested in linalool, those are a few cultivars that you can find it, perhaps. I mean, it is like we talked about, you know, specific and grower specific, but it's a good place to start. And if you find one that you like and works for you, it's an awesome thing as a medical patient. I think uh, many of us have had that experience and that's why we're all such passionate growers. Yeah, I think so too. I think if for the first time that all of us tried a plant, we tried the wrong one, we might not like it as much as we do now. That's kind of a weird thing to think, right? But it's definitely very possible because not all of these strains definitely uh, agree with me in the same way. They don't ring the bell the same way. That's like my mom, man. The first time she smoked, she got super paranoid and uh, probably had like a super heady sativa and she thought the police were coming after her and this and that. At like the same... hated cannabis ever since. Yeah. At the same time, don't be that guy. When your friend says that cannabis isn't for them, don't say that they just had the wrong strain and try to push them to do that. Um, people hate that too, so. Yeah, be good, good, good champions of cannabis. <laughs> be uh, champions of the plant, be nice, be kind. And uh, I think that's you know, part of the thing that the plant does for all of us. It makes us a little bit kinder, more patient, uh, more understanding people. And thank you guys both for having me on. I know I'm not from Michigan, but it's nice to connect with another audience. I love all the guests that you have on and I've really uh, gotten to know some of the people. Not in, like there's a chat today because it's not one of the live shows, but got to know some of the people in the chat and some of your following. So it's really uh, cool to actually connect with you guys and sit down for a recording officially before the end of the year. When we release the episode, we'll release it as a premiere. So there will be a chat when it's, when it comes out. So that's always fun too. Nice. I'll have to uh, try and tune in. I'll definitely be looking forward to that. Skillbo. This is our chance to say that you've been listening to the Michigan Bros Grow Show. And we have been talking to Jack Greenstock, and this has been episode 30, and I think it's been really fucking cool. Thank you very much, Jack. I really wanted to have you on here because I knew you were going to say a bunch of smart stuff, and you did. I wrote down a bunch of notes. You'd be very surprised to know that. And uh, thank you guys for watching. <laughs>